You're listening to The Central Cast, recorded each week in front of a live audience in Glendale, California. So thanks again for being here. It's good to see you all. And um, of course, today we are meeting after church at Aaron and Emily's for um, a brunch. So we'll be a short service today. Um, and yeah, so we'll we'll go ahead and get in and get things started. Um, so if you haven't already, now's a good time to grab something for communion. Um, whatever your elements uh, for you this morning is great. I am uh, going to be using uh, some chocolate chip cookies that uh, I baked yesterday that we'll be bringing uh, over along for uh, the uh, potluck at Aaron and Emily's afterwards. So uh, you can't have them for communion now, but you can have them for our group communion later, I suppose. Um, nice, good work. And Andrew, they're really thin and chewy, which is an interesting way to do it. So we'll see. I'm there, uh, you've convinced me. <laughs> um, uh, of course, as you know, you know, we, we um, are really excited to be getting together and spending time um, with each other in ways that are safe and um, so I'll talk about that just a little bit later um, with some events coming up, but, um, but we're also aware of the complexity and difficulty of things um, coming together. Uh, and that's why we'll have uh, events that are in person and both online for wherever you are with your comfortability level, with vaccinations, with your children. Um, we want this to continue to be a community for all of us, no matter where we are and where we find ourselves. Um, and also there's continues to be more things happening in and around the world. So um, of course, while we are celebrating um, increased vaccinations here and the ability for us to get together, we know there's places all around the world that are still deeply struggling with this global pandemic. And so as we open in prayer, we'll keep those places in mind. Um, and, and specifically also, um, the building collapse in um, Florida that happened this week, which is so tragic and so scary, um, especially, you know, most of us don't live in tall building complexes, but there's just so many things unknown. Um, last I saw, there's still 156 people unaccounted for, um, which is just such a difficult an unexpected thing. There's been so much happening this year and we continue to see these reminders. And so while we celebrate, we also come together for those who are mourning for the things that we're mourning together as well. Um, as we do that, will you join me in prayer? God of grace and hope, God of restoration, Thank you for this space to be Central Avenue Church, for the ways that we get to come together and be a family and community of people looking to transform this world and this place. Got a world that needs so much transformation. 
we celebrate the fact that it is safer for many of us to get together and to see friends, family, relationships that we haven't been able to invest in over the last more than a year. Um, thank you for that here. We also remember how much was lost this year in our lives, in jobs, in relationships, in difficulties all over the place and in loss of life to COVID-19. God, bring us together as a community here. Bring your church together that we can be a powerful force for transformation and justice in the world. That we can be a community of people as your church that cares for the deepest needs. We lift up those suffering around the world in the height of the pandemic in other places. We lift up those in Florida in the middle of the aftermath of a building collapse there with so many still unaccounted for. Um, God, our lives are precious and each one of us is precious. Thank you for the way that you care, for the way that we see your care through the people in this community and the people you've placed in our lives around us. We lift these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I wanted to share just a um, brief. This is actually called a collect, and it's um, similar to a call to worship. Um, and this comes from St. Mary's Episcopal Church. I adapted it a little bit um, for us here. But um, yeah, um, hear these words, this proclamation uh, together in a liturgy that I think represents central and the best of what it means for us to be a community of faith together. We are the body of Christ, justice seeking, bread breaking, risk taking. The body of Christ, baptized by one spirit, we are members of one body many and varied in culture, sexuality, age, class, and ability. We are members of Christ's beautiful body. None of us can say to another, I have no need of you, for only together can we find wholeness. None of us can say to another, I will not care for you, for we are connected like muscle and bone. If one suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. Come in, all are welcome. Come into this space. Come with your longings, your questions, and your fears. Come with your dreams of a better day. One with dignity and safety for all. Thanks be to God who in Christ has made us one. Let this be our joyous cry today. Amen. Thanks, Bob. Uh, as Bob mentioned, we will be taking communion as we do each week. 
If you have not had a chance, please do grab something and whatever, whatever you have near you will work. <clears throat> um, I'm gonna read a prayer uh, for communion and we're gonna start with a bit of a call and response. Um, I'm putting it in the chat so you have it. It's really short. Many of you will actually probably be very familiar with it, um, depending on the tradition you grew up in or might have attended before. Um, <clears throat> this is a very common call and response to begin liturgical pieces. So I will read the parts, um, not in parentheses, and you will respond with the parts in parentheses. As always, feel free to unmute if you'd like. Um, it's fun to hear the cacophony of voices that we would usually hear if we were in person, um, but no pressure to. Um, and then I'll read a prayer and we will take communion together. So let's pray. The Holy One be with you. And also with, also with you. Open your hearts to the one who is love. We, we open our hearts to you, O oh God. Let us give thanks to God who shapes our world. For every creature in creation, we give you thanks, O oh God. Indeed, we give you thanks, our divine creator. You declared from the beginning that we were created in your image, a reflection of what is holy, each in our own way, a glimpse of you. <clears throat> we praise the works of your creative hand that fills our life with beauty. Every flower that blooms, every animal that delights, every body of water that sustains our life, all parts of your good work. Despite the abundance of life around us, we still turn to destruction. Each in our own ways, we have failed to embrace you by failing to embrace all your people, especially those different than us. We have at times sided with political and religious powers that refuse to recognize your image in all people. And so we turn to Jesus, who showed us what it looks like to live into our true selves as people of God. He was humble, yet grounded in your love. He sought out the despised and made them friends. He confronted every power that belittled, marginalized, and oppressed. His commitment to living out the image of God and flesh could not be swayed even in the face of death. On the night of his arrest, he gathered around the table with his companions. He took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He did the same with the cup after the summer, supper saying, this cup that is poured out is the new covenant. Even in death, O God, your love prevailed through your spirit. Christ was raised from the grave. No person, no institution, no force of evil could extinguish the work of your hand. And so by the same spirit, Bless these gifts of bread and cup, whatever it is you have this morning, that they may be the living Christ within us today, compelling us to be agents of love, uncompromising on our commitment to protecting every one of your creatures and creations. So I invite you to take the bread and the cup at your own pace and do this um, in this calling for our lives. Amen. Thanks, Max. Um, 
I wanted to tell you guys just briefly a couple of the things coming up here at Central. Uh, of course, following our short service here on Zoom today, we're going to be meeting at Aaron and Emily's um, and uh, we'll be having brunch there. Um, it's a potluck. So uh, if you're able to bring something with you, if you're not able to, we'd still love to have you and uh, join us when we've done these in the past. We've always had lots to go around and um, yeah, if you're uh, comfortable and feel safe uh, to do so, we'd love to see you. Um, there is uh, also Aaron uh, arranged for there to be, oh, thanks, Aaron put his address there in the chat. Um, and Aaron also arranged for a bounce house for today. So if you are uh, comfortable with your kids uh, doing that, please uh, bring them to uh, enjoy that as well. It's, it's being inflated right now. That's why I had to run away for five, 10 minutes. I had to move my car out of the driveway. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, uh, yeah, we'll be spending uh, time uh, outside, Aaron, or are we inside and outside at your place today? Yeah. I mean, outside really, okay. that's, that's, that's the plan. Okay. And the, the yard, the yard is half shaded at noon and there'll be ample cool drinks. <laughs> Awesome. So we'll be meeting at noon and or whenever you're able to get there uh, after we wrap things up for uh, service here. Um, so also coming up this Friday, Aaron is going to be meeting with a group of people for Holy Happy Hour, and he'll be sending some more information out, uh, usually email and Facebook. So watch out for that. Uh, and then we'll continue our virtual services uh, then towards the end of July. And the 17th, uh, Dan and Angie will be leading us on a hike. That's a Saturday. Um, the following Sunday on the 18th will be our first in-person service at Central. And so if you're comfortable, uh, we hope that you'll join us there. We'll be live streaming the service as well for anybody who is still going to be joining us virtually. Um, and then we'll go back to virtual the next week on the 25th and uh, have another brunch at Aaron and Emily's after service. Um, so that's things coming up this month and uh, look out for more information as those events get closer. All right, thanks, Bob. So this is, um, most of you have probably heard that President Biden may be denied Holy Communion by the Catholic Church of which he is a part. We're gonna, we're talking about communion today uh, I was inspired to talk about the Lord's Supper and communion today because this is kind of in the news and it got me thinking about it. Um, you probably have heard uh, that President Biden might be denied Holy Communion, communion by, the, uh, by the Catholic Church because, <clears throat> because of his pro-choice stance on abortion. There is a, I guess you would say a cabal <laughs> of conservative U.S. bishops that want to deny him Eucharist because he disagrees with church doctrine on this issue. Uh, and to be clear, Pope Francis does not agree with the US bishops. The Vatican released a statement telling the US bishops not to deny President Biden communion. This is actually an issue that's been ongoing for years in the Catholic Church, between the church, and uh, certainly uh, now President Biden, but also between the church and its pro-choice members. But it's recently in the news because it looks like these U.S. bishops are finally trying to make good on, on their threats, which is interesting because it's raising all of these 
questions in the church right now, both Catholic and Protestant, both the conservative and liberal parts of the church about the meaning of communion or the Lord's Supper or Eucharist, whatever you call it, um, and who should and shouldn't get it. And so I thought it was an interesting thing for us to look at today, uh, also because we are uh, meeting uh, at, for brunch, which is kind of part of this thing called Eucharist or Lord's Supper. I don't know if you know this, but the early church, the first century church, Lord's Supper was not just little this little piece of bread or a cracker and juice. It was a robust meal. It was actually sitting down in someone's house. Church was actually took place in people's homes in the first century. Um, but they would sit down and have a robust meal. Um, and so my, my own thinking about communion has changed over the years significantly. I used to think that only Christians, only believers should be allowed to receive communion. And um, I thought that way because I wanted to protect the sanctity and the reverence of this tradition. But a few years ago, I had a change of heart on that issue. <laughs> along with a lot of others, part of deconstruction, I guess you could say. Um, and I became more convinced, I, my, my thinking about communion changed as I became more convinced about um, the truly radical nature of God's love and grace, especially for those deemed other than. Let's keep in mind that Jesus gave communion even to Judas. I don't know if you've seen some memes on social media recently about this whole communion controversy with President Biden, but people were pointing out, hey, Jesus gave communion even to Judas, not to mention the rest of the disciples who were present on at the Last Supper, who were about to abandon him. A lot of people forget that. It wasn't just Judas that portrayed uh, Jesus. All the disciples scattered upon his arrest. Peter, Peter denied knowing him three times, right? They all scattered. They all denied him. And yet Jesus offers them himself. He offers them holy communion. Um, the, the idea of denying people communion or table fellowship with the Lord is antithetical to the entire persona and ethos, really, of Jesus's ministry, uh, to Jesus's love and inclusion of those deemed impure, sinful, unholy, whatever, right? It's antithetical to, to all that to say, you know, only certain special and holy people or worthy people are welcome at the Lord's table. Jesus's so-called table fellowship with sinners was well known in his day, uh, and he himself was criticized for it. He was called a friend of, of gluttons and drunkards because he ate and drank with sinners, the Jerusalem religious establishment said of him and criticized him. Um, now, of course, we practice communion here at Central every week, and actually, you know, as I mentioned today at the brunch, it's kind of an extension of that. It's, it's part of what it means to share in the body of Christ, to share in, in, you know, in a full meal together and to enjoy each other and to even drink. <laughs> I think that's part of it. And uh, we, we practice communion here every week for a few reasons. We practice it as a way of grounding ourselves as a spiritual community in a shared practice. Shared practice, shared practices are really important more important, I think, than shared beliefs even, especially in this post-evangelical community like Central, one that in many ways is full of people recovering from oppressive and very harmful church environments that told us, among other things, that, you know, right beliefs are everything. Theological orthodoxy, 
is, you know, everything. Emoting feelings of certainty in the right doctrines. You know, that's what it's all about, we were told. Um, don't get me wrong, shared beliefs can still be meaningful. And I think there are some shared beliefs here. But I, I think centering ourselves around a set of shared values and practices is more healthy and meaningful. Communion or the Lord's Supper is an integral part of that and therefore constitutes something tactile, something physical and real that we do here weekly that grounds us and gives this community shape. It also connects us, I think, to a, a universal and timeless church tradition and thereby connects us to the larger church past and present. So I think it's powerful uh, for a lot of reasons. Now, the, the tradition of communion was, of course, instituted by Jesus himself on the night of his arrest uh, at what we call the Last Supper, as I've already mentioned. And Max already, I think, read, read this text, but let's, let's, read it. let's read the account of the Last Supper now from Luke's gospel. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, end quote. Now, this supper, of course, took place in Jerusalem on the night of the Passover feast. And it was part of the larger Passover meal or what Jews called or call to, to this day the Seder. This is significant. This is very significant because the tradition of the Lord's Supper is, in fact, rooted in the sacred meal practices of the ancient Israelites, namely the Passover feast or the Passover meal. And it should be understood in that context. This means that the motifs of exodus and, and liberation from oppression, this, the, these motifs should inform our understanding of communion. The Passover meal is a commemoration of God delivering the Israelites from Egyptian bondage, from Egyptian slavery. And so the Lord's Supper represents a new kind of Passover meal that commemorates or celebrates a new kind of exodus. And it's important to understand that this is, this is just another example among many in the Gospels of how Jesus really functioned as a, as a typology of Moses or a new kind of Moses. Uh, Jesus is portrayed numerous times in the Gospel as, as, as Moses. For example, in Matthew, after Jesus was born, his parents took him and fled into Egypt to escape the clutches of Herod. And, and when they returned with toddler Jesus years later, uh, Matthew, Matthew tells us that this was done in order to fulfill what the scriptures say, out of Egypt, I have called my son. Clear allusion to the Exodus narrative, right? Uh, and then immediately uh, after Jesus is baptized, in the Jordan River, he's, he's driven out into the desert wilderness to be tempted and tried for 40 days, just as Israel, after being baptized, so to speak, in the Red Sea, was driven out into the desert wilderness to be tempted and tried for 40 years. There are many illusions like this in the Gospels of Jesus being a new Moses and inaugurating a new Exodus, and the Lord's Supper with its Passover motifs, is part of that too. And Jesus's exodus, you know, can be understood in different ways. Some see his exodus as an exodus from, from sin and spiritual oppression. Some see it as a, 
as an exodus or a liberation from enslavement to Satan and liberation, therefore, from an eternity in hell. I, I tend to see all of that as, as symbolic language for an exodus from evil and unjust systems in this life and in this world that oppress and harm. I tend to follow both uh, the liberation school, liberation theology school of thought and the radical theology school of thought that sees Jesus's exodus as a new way of life, whereby we embody Jesus's ethos of preferential treatment of the poor, solidarity with the oppressed, and, and we pursue justice and peace. We must also not forget that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper on the night of his arrest, and therefore in the context of his crucifixion the next day. The, the bread and wine, of course, represent Jesus's broken body and shed blood at the cross. This kind of gets, <laughs> is kind of gets a little morbid. It gets a little macabre here. It gets a little cannibalistic even, right? This idea that in communion, Christ's body is, is dismembered. Uh, it's, it's scattered among us as bread and wine, and we, we consume it. And by receiving his dismembered body, we remember it. We remember it within ourselves. Thus, we become the remembered body of Christ. Think about that. We are the remembered body of the dismembered Christ, which, which I think that means that Christ lives now in us because what is remembered lives. I love that line from the, uh, from the Academy Award-winning movie, Nomad Line, Nomadland. What is remembered lives. How true is that? We, and we get this idea actually from Jesus' own words uh, from, from, from the Last Supper when he said, do this in remembrance of me. Think about that. Do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because what is remembered lives. Thus, we become the living, remembered body of Christ, the, the resurrected Christ, as we remember him and allow his memory to inspire us and to inform our lives. I like to think of communion as being like the Mexican holiday, Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, right? The idea, if you've seen the hit movie Coco, <laughs> you're familiar with this, uh, or just living in Los Angeles. Uh, the idea is that by displaying pictures of deceased family members, by, by actively remembering them, right, their spirit is kept, al kept alive. If we don't display their pictures on Dia de los Muertos, and, and if we forget them, their spirit dies. Um, this is thus, you know, what is remembered lives. Again, what is remembered lives is the idea here, which is a timeless kind of universal human idea. Uh, and it's really a way of saying, of course, that our, our dead loved ones live on in us as we cherish their memories, right? The same is true of Christ. He only lives on in us if we remember him and allow his memory to inform our lives. So that's my understanding of communion today, kind of a shorter talk. Uh, and as always, I want to just take a moment and open it up for any, any dialogue, any, any response, any questions. Does anybody have any remarks about that? Anybody want to talk about how their understanding of communion has maybe changed over the years? Hey, Aaron, I've got, I've got just a small thing from my experience in the Catholic Church. Um, yeah. Um, definitely communion was 
was easily one of my favorite parts of the service. <clears throat> you know, it felt like the, the one time where everybody in the, in the service kind of got together to, you know, to share in this time together to share. And um, um, like you said, just kind of share in the sufferings of Christ, but also to, you know, share in each other's sufferings in, in a way, you know, um, by doing communion. And, and also there was a lot of time of meditative prayer just after it, as everyone was getting communion. So that was one of the times where I felt most connected to God actually, um, you know, during the service. And uh, in regards to, like, I had, a, I had a friend who would come with me sometimes who, um, um, was more, you know, uh, non-denominational or evangelically was not Catholic, but I had, um, I was really close with the pastor. And I remember asking the pastor about it. I was like, you know, my buddy here, you know, I would love for him to participate in communion. And, you know, he, he's very much a believer. And, and the pastor was kind of like, he's like, well, the official, like, he'd be like, you know, the official line of the Catholic church is, you know, that, yeah, I think you need to be baptized or, you know, in the church or, or you needed to be more in line with the Catholic beliefs. But he was like, he's like, but to me personally, he's like, he's like, all are welcome. And he's like, just, he's like, just have them come up. Don't, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to say anything. Don't, don't, you know, don't, don't make a thing of it. Just come on up and, and, and have communion. He's, and, and, uh, um, and, you know, while I do, you know, do still struggle a lot of times with Catholic church and there sometimes, um, you know, obviously very dogmatic, you know, ways of thinking. I, you know, the, the Catholic church was always more the people than it was the, the rules and the, and the, and the catechism. And so, um, I guess that's the way I had always kind of taken communion was just, um, um, less about these set of rules to whether you can come get it, but it's about uh, a chance to be, you know, kind of like humbled before God or, or to kind of, I feel like, you know, almost like fall on your knees and, and, and embrace, you know, your shortcomings and, and, and maybe ways that you feel like you've failed, you know, God or, or, or others, but also to be renewed as well um, uh, each week, you know, through that communion, almost like communion was also, you know, forgiveness as well at the same time and, and kind of like a loving embrace. So anyway, that was just sharing my, uh, how I had thought about it and my experience with it. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. That's really a great contextual understanding, especially from someone who grew up Catholic. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else want to share? I would just say I remember really struggling with this as a as a junior higher and a, like high schooler and like I think my church gave some like um, uh, sermon on how like literally you had to be completely right with God yeah. and you had to have all of your sins confessed and you had to make all of your relationships perfect. Because if you didn't, you could die. Like, I'm not saying you will, but you could die if you took yeah. communion. Like, God could choose to strike you down if you didn't come to communion, right? It's like... I remember what? that, too. Yeah, right. It was and a moment of anxiety. One, it was, of yeah. course. Yeah, exactly. A moment of anxiety, which is, like, the exact opposite. It's taken from, like, one proof-texted, you know, verse about communion. And I just remember like having that mindset and just being like, wait, what? Like, and being so nervous and anxious, um, mm -hmm. which is like the exact opposite. So I, I would just say I've, I've uh, one of the biggest things for me was, was participating in uh, services from other traditions, right? 
So like going to an Orthodox service, um, going to an Episcopalian service, going to Presbyterian service and seeing like, wait a second, <laughs> there's, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of different ways <laughs> that Christians do communion. And I don't really think it was like one of those centerpieces of deconstruction at an early stage of being like, wait, I don't think the way that, that my church has talked about communion is the only way to do communion. So just, just naming that, as you noted, Aaron, like it's been, it's been like a fulcrum point for new beliefs and deconstructing what, what we bring. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Akilah, do you have your hand up? I do. Thank you. Hi. Yeah. I was was actually going to say what Max did too. I remembered that. And, but I think the other thing that, and I didn't grow up um, Catholic, but the churches I went to also were very much like, um, I mean, it's that it's part of the the struggle with the contradiction of like we want you here, you're welcome here, but you can't take communion unless you're perfect. Your children can't take com- communion, by the way, also because they didn't, they haven't like uh, confessed and taken Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so it's like, yeah, imagine going to somebody's house and they're like, you're welcome here, but you can't eat our food. Right. So like, it just doesn't. So it's like all of those things that make church very, made church very confusing for me. Yes. And so antithetical to Christ. Yeah, good point. Thank you. Yeah. In that text, you know, Max, you're talking about that. I think it's from First uh, Corinthians. It says, you know, those who do not rightly discern the body of Christ, but, but partake in this sacrament, you know, do so at their own peril or something like that. That was so taken out of context because what Paul is talking about, what it means to rightly discern uh, the body of Christ and the act of communion in the context of the Corinthian church was that they were separating themselves. The rich and the poor were consuming the sacred meal separately and the rich were getting to eat at first. And if there was anything left over, the poor folks in the other room were given access to the table. And, and it had nothing to do with getting right with God and repenting of all your sins and you're going to die if you don't, you know, the, the, the supper is going to poison you. It was about the way the church was treating each other according to these class status. And uh, anyway, it's just interesting how that was, of course, completely left out because that was too yeah. economic and social justice oriented and, you know, everything oh, yeah. needed to be spiritualized in, in the evangelical tr- traditions we grew up in and taken kind of out of the political and social sphere, which is exactly what Paul was talking about. But anyway, I just wanted, I'm sure everybody else, but I remember the anxiety every time communion happened, I had to like, just, oh my gosh, sir, just beg God that if I'm forgetting anything, please forgive me so that I don't get sick as a result of taking communion. <laughs> yeah. Bad we laugh kills. now. We laugh now. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, Bob, to get through, but not only last week, but this week, uh, I've I've been muted all this time. Cheryl just finally came in and unmuted me. I wanted to say your talk about communion was great. It's the best explanation. Thank you. How do I stay off of mute? How do I get off of mute? Well, we can talk about that later. I'll I'll help you out with your technology later. But uh, thank you, thank you, Doug. Sure. Any anybody else have a comment today? All right. Hey, actually, really fast. So, I mean, something that was interesting. Uh, like yeah. when I was talking. It's like 
in addition to like that that vertical concern and judgment, right? There was also the horizontal, right? The, the peer, the peer concern, um, where there's always that sense of like, oh, I'm not quite a hundred percent sure if I'm right with God yet. But if I don't go up, then everyone else around me is going to think oh, yeah. I'm struggling with something, right? That I have some kind of doubt or or issue that I'm struggling. And then you look around and you see other people as well and be like, oh, so-and-so brought their friend to church, but their friend's not going up to get communion. Maybe their friend isn't Christian or maybe they're having some struggle. And then there's always that, like, I don't know, it, it, it kind of takes away from the experience oh, yeah. of just like, just that partaking in the community, right? Because you're looking around and just being like, who's not going up? Who's passing the tray or whatever it may be? Yeah. Yeah. It becomes yes. a litmus test as Max says. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that reminds me of going to a, an Anglican service with one of my best friends growing up and like then telling this like you're you're you can go up if you want but you're technically not supposed to like if you're not <laughs> Anglican and I was just like what like and I was just like as a kid right and you're like what am I supposed to do and you look around and you're like okay well that person's going up like that person's staying in their seat does that mean they just don't want it like or are they not Anglican either yeah totally David great Great, great reminder of those dynamics. Yeah. Well, good, great conversation today, folks. We do want to end early, give people time to do what they need to do and, and uh, come on over. But um, we're going we're gonna to do, we're going to do Eucharist the old fashioned way here this afternoon. We're going to have a meal together and hang out and have some drinks. So hope you can make it. If not, maybe next time we'll do it again in a month. Um, how late is the hangout going? You can go as you know, honestly, I'm just thinking like an hour and a half, two hours, you know, um, I think that's, that's fine. I've got to go and do a, a live service as I do every Sunday at Windsor, which is an assistive living home I'm chaplain at, at I got to take off around three. Uh, so I need to get ready before that. So I'm thinking just a couple hours at the most, everybody, um, make it easy. Don't want people to sweat it or sweat as little as possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. Please come on over have even if you don't have anything to share food wise totally fine we'll have enough and uh bring the kiddos uh there will be a bounce house um children over two need to be masked adults vaccinated adults do not have to be masked it will be outside in the front yard so thanks everybody and um yeah we'll see you soon hopefully Thank you. You bet. Thank you.